to this episode of KCMU's Radio Book Club. It is Monday, July 3rd. Always find us here at the the first Monday of every month at 5 o'clock on KZMU. Radio Book Club is a collaboration between Grand County Public Library and Back of Beyond Books. My name is Jessie. I work at the library and I am joined this evening by Alyssa from both the library and bookstore, double agents these days, and Sherry from the book split. KZMU is, uh, you can find KZMU at 106.7 and 90.1 FM, as you probably know if you're already listening. You can also find KZMU streaming on the World Wide Web at www.kzmu.org. And welcome everyone. I'm sure everyone's excited for the 4th of July tomorrow. Um, quick note, we are pre-recording this as we all have plans Monday evening. So welcome Shuri and Alyssa. Thank you. Thanks. Hi everyone. Cool. So um, our format usually is we'll chat a little bit about library news, bookstore news. We'll discuss some of the uh, books that are on the bestseller list um, with independent bookstores. And then we will tell you all about what we've been reading, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sherry, would you like to start? Tell us and tell us what's going on at the bookstore this month. Yeah, we are in the July heat uh, rest. Let's call it, let's call it that. The, Ju- yeah. the July, we've just started the July heat rest. That's what we're going to call it from now on. Um, as temps get higher, of course, the people lessen. And so this gives us a little bit of a break uh, from events. Although we just did have an event last Monday and uh, we invited David Gessner, who has written a book called A Traveler's Guide to the End of the the world published by Tory House Press. He came, we had a full house at the bookstore. This is, you know, it's interesting. He regaled us with all sorts of um, stories and tales. This is a book for both the, um, I would say the, it's about climate change, but the, the, the heart of this book is David's question about what the world's gonna be like for his daughter who is now 18. And so what, you know, what's it going to be like for her when she is his age uh, now? And so he, you know, he, he travels kind of all over the country. Um, of course, there's a, a lot of uh, mention of, of course, water and fire. Um, and he ends up going to the headwaters of the Colorado and writes this kind of final essay, one of his final essays, come to find out he's actually a creative writer. He teaches creative writing in um, North Carolina. And he he did this wonderful overlay of the headwaters of the Colorado with um, the fact that his mother was dying. And it was just this kind of, that's kind of the final essay that he shared. And it was beautiful and vulnerable and kind of from the heart, yet at the same time, his book is full of right science and uh, lots of really good questions. So that was a great event and we had a lot of fun and he was uh, he was funny and serious and all the good things. So 
that is what's happening at the bookstore. Alyssa, is there anything that you can think of? No, I think you're right. July is the month of the great heat rest. <laughs> we call it we call it estivation. It's the opposite of hibernation where you sleep in the winter. Some yes. some creatures sleep wow. in the summer. They uh, estivate. I love There's that good, word. Good word for July. Okay, so that's a great closeout event at the very end of June with David Gesner and now Estivation. We'll still be there. Don't worry. Like you can come, you can come, but <laughs> we'll have you know like soft classical music mm -hmm. and cafe music vibes, so that you can also sleep in the bookstore. You might even get a renegade cappuccino if you come in and really beg from us who are in our heat rest. It's been known to happen. <laughs> well, similarly, the library's kind of taking a programming break anyway in July for adult programming. The children's department has tons of fun stuff going on. I recommend um, you have little ones. Some of these programs are just a ton of fun. Right on the library's front page. You can click on um, events. There's a little slideshow, um, and you can click on any of the upcoming events. They're they're a ton of fun. Also, if you read the Moab Sun News, um, Cosmo the Library Cat has a column every week, and he's usually um, telling us about some fun event coming up. Check those out. Um, yeah, it kind of quieted down a little bit this month, which is actually which is actually kind of a relief. I I feel like I was really, really busy with events the past three months. So I'm kind of looking forward to catching up. But you have some exciting things coming up though, one of which I will tell you about August 2nd, um, which is gonna come up quicker than uh, I can imagine sometimes. But on August 2nd, we are going to welcome retired National Park Ranger and Moab local Jason Ramsdale. He's gonna present um, uh, a presentation called Adventure and Adversity on Mount Everest. He's going to share his riv this riveting account of his recent six-week climb of Mount Everest. He summited a couple of weeks ago. The arduous adventure was complicated by several mishaps. It was the deadliest year in the history of the mountain. You can join Jason for a presentation on the climb, lessons learned, survival stories, reflections, and inspiration for your own adventure. He's put together an um, astoundingly cool slideshow and is going to tell us all about climbing Everest. And that is going to be uh, that's going to be a really a really cool presentation. Again, that's going to be at the library August second at seven p.m. Adventure and University on Mount Everest. And then um, in other exciting library news, the library's new teen center is open. Um, it has been going really, really well. So this is located in the new Community Resources Building. Um, when the USU campus moved to their new space, um, this uh, uh, a lot of really cool community organizations, including the library, have opened offices here. Um, at 150 West, 200 South, um, back there sort of behind the, across from the Gonzo Inn. And our wonderful teen librarians, uh, Christina and Alyssa, actually, um, can tell us a little bit more about what's going on. I understand, like, not only are there computers and video games and VR headsets, you know, 3D printer and arts and craft, 
Pong, and what else is going on over there, Alyssa? Well, yes, all of those things are there. <laughs> um, all the computers that teens that have been coming to the library for the majority of their lives are used to, they're all at the teen center. Um, and we do have uh, lots of games. We've got the Xboxes, Switch, and um, it's air-conditioned in this heat of July. Just saying nice. that might be nice. <laughs> and um, we're there typically around uh, from 12 to 8 during the summer, um, barring any staffing issues. Yes, they come up. You know, sometimes things happen. But 12 to 8, and then we're getting ready to come up with like different programs that will be available but the real big thing is just providing a space for teens in the community to be able to just enjoy themselves and have friends and perhaps you're getting ready with summer school or trying to apply for scholarships we've got internet access whatever you need and we're there christina and i to answer any questions or to help in any way we can or to try and play this game on Xbox that has a goat that just runs around and I don't understand what the goat's doing, but it- I've seen that. Get to me. <laughs> I wanna play a goat game outside. Well, it's like, kind of, it's yeah. kinda, it gets flung about, right? The it goat. does, it, I yes. can tell him, is the goat in control or is something controlling the goat? Yes, it the gets goat. flung. I, like that goat just flies. Yes. <laughs> my, well, that's my just obviously missing something, and I need a team to help me. My fifteen-year-old nephew go, showed that to me. As <laughs> if the other things weren't enticement enough to come visit the new teen center, come <laughs> check out the flying goat and help Alyssa figure out what in the world is going on. <laughs> well, that is so cool. So Monday through Friday, twelve noon to eight p.m. Um, weekdays open for teens, teens, and tweens to come visit, and parents too are welcome to come check it out. I just think that's so cool that there's a space that's just, just for for these young folks to hang out and chill, um, just to be together. No librarians shushing them. No cranky adults. Christina and Alyssa are both super fun. <laughs> Also, at the library, summer reading program is going on until mid-August. It's not too late to join. There's so many cool prizes. So little kids get to come pick a prize out of this big treasure chest for every every 15 minutes that they read, I believe it is. For the adults, um, you can, with, this, with the online app, and if you don't want to do it online, just tell the librarians and we'll do it for you. But you get to win little... Um, virtual badges as you read along and uh, record how many minutes you are reading and you earn tickets toward actual prize drawings and we've got some great prizes. There are gift certificates to Back of Beyond Books, Wild Landscapes, Plant Nursery, Quesadilla Mobia, the Moonflower, the Barkery, there's a brand new Kindle um, uh, e-reader that is uh, that's a prize and then there's a, a Cosmo swag bundle that's really cool some Cosmo stickers a really cool um, little tin mug with Cosmo on it and a t-shirt or tank um, so there, those are some of the fun prizes you can win 
you're reading anyways, you might as well be earning fun prizes as you go. So you can visit the library's website, moablibrary.org to find out more or give us a call at 259-1111. So that is what's going on. Does anyone have the any bestseller list in front of them? And if so, are there any books that you'd like to pitch from the fiction or nonfiction side? I have it in front of me. I was thinking of just a nod to Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. He, of course, we all know that he passed. He died this last last month. And Blood Meridian was on actually last week. So I think it's fallen off. It's also out of stock. But that's one I haven't read. But just a nod to, you know, his life's work and including The Road, which was the one that I think impacted me the most. And his final duo, um, Stella Maurice and The Passenger. And, you know, he, he, he was writing those two books for a long time and he, he did a decent size amount of work. And come to find out, he wasn't... He, he didn't easily publish in the beginning. His work was just a little bit too hard for sort of traditional publishers to kind of take a risk on. I I'm always find that really interesting, these publishers' stories about books that took a really long time and then um, took off. So I did want to uh, nod to Cormac, and then also I've been hearing a lot about The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Might be Yaros. This is a uh, book of fantasy and it's all over TikTok from what I, I gather. And just to give our readers a sense for what this is about. It's a beautiful cover if we want to judge a book by its cover, which I know Alyssa loves too. And I do too. But this is a, like I said, it's a fantasy, sci-fi, well, it's, it's fantasy. It's called Fourth Wing, and it's a suspenseful, sexy, and with incredible, entertaining storytelling. Um, it's the first in an Empyrean series that will delight fans of romantic, adventure-filled fantasy. It looks like it has dragons and really amazing uh, female warrior strong protagonists and again it's a, it's the start of a series and it's just getting a lot of attention and TikTok seems to be over the moon about it the fourth wing yeah it's been out for a couple of weeks it's uh, hanging, yeah. hanging steady right there at number 7 on the hardcover yeah. bestseller list yeah I'm always really, really happy to hear about really quality fantasy. I think that it's a genre that gets diluted down with some kind of silly, silly fluffiness and often doesn't get taken seriously uh, as a genre. And um, I think it's just a magnificent, um, magnificently creative books out there. And I'm, I'm excited to read The Fourth Wing myself. Um, how about you, Alyssa? Is anything... Um, Anything that spring to mind? I actually finished in <clears throat> one afternoon 
on the nonfiction bestseller list, you could make this place beautiful by Maggie Smith. It, um, it's a memoir and uh, Maggie Smith, if you're not familiar, is a poet and is most known, like most known for her poem, The Good Bones. And um, so this memoir kind of takes you through her, her life within her marriage and the experience of writing a poem that go and posting it on social media and it going viral and then how that impacted her life and her relationships and um this this memoir like she's really taking you kind of through a really hellish part of her life um she's going through a divorce and um she has two kids and just managing how managing your own emotions through something like that when you are also responsible for the development and livelihood and emotions of other beings and um it's just really really beautifully written and like i said i finished it in an afternoon so it it's for sure a page turner um but i i don't know i would really recommend it and i'm really looking forward to now going back and finding all of her poetry book compilations um one of which is the good bones and going from there and the goldenrod and keep moving those are the other ones that i'm really excited about reading i haven't read uh, good bones is the only poem that i've read by maggie smith but it went right right to my heart and i actually was considering reading it last month on radio book club and when you were talking about david uh gessner um demo or gessner 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 my apologies folks um about him thinking about what the world is going to be like for his children. Um, actually, the poem Good Bones sort of sprang to mind while you were talking about that, and I dialed it up. What would you guys think about reading this poem? I think yes. that'd be great. Okay, I will do so. This is Maggie Smith's Good Bones. This is a, a poem that, that went viral. She became very famous, and it um, changed her the whole trajectory of her life, as she describes in the memoir that Alyssa was just talking about called You Could Make This Place Beautiful. Good Bones. Life is short, though I keep this for my children. Life is short, and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. A thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep for my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate, though I keep this for my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. Life is short and the world is at least half terrible. And for every kind stranger, there is one who would break you, though I keep this from my children. I am trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor walking you through a real shithole turns on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. Uh, I apologize for the, um, I have to bleep that out, Molly. <laughs> um, however, it is, it's, it's literature, it's poetry. And I just think that is such a concise um, way to talk about how, how, as we, as we get older and realize how fragile and, and, and terrible the world can be, but we don't want to terrify our children. We want, we want, uh, and we hide. Sometimes we have to hide the truth, the ugly truth, from them to, to give them courage and hope and 
um, because indeed we can make this place beautiful and the world does have good bones, a good framework. And um, while there's a little bit of deception perhaps in, in trying to keep our children from realizing um, until they're emotionally equipped um, how, how hard things can be, we we try to sell them on how beautiful the world is and, and how much opportunity uh, there is. Um, anyway, that that poem just really summed up um, sort of that the, a, nebula, a nebulous feeling I've always had um, and and that sort of terrible balance of, of trying to um, be honest honest with your young ones but also um, give them hope. So that was Good Bones by Maggie Smith. I just want to interject the I listened to her last week on a podcast with Glennon Doyle um, and Abby Wambach called You Can Do Hard Things and it was a good in their interview and the other thing I think that's really present in the book uh, I've read maybe the first 20 pages is power dynamics too and when your work does end up with some fame or the the dynamics of domesticity when you're working with a partner and how how long can you be gone as a woman especially from the home um, and what what does that mean and how do you negotiate that I think that's also really prevalent beautifully in the book wonderful yeah. mm -hmm. all right you could make this place beautiful a memoir by maggie smith it's been it debuted on the the bestseller list and it's hanging in there strong on the nonfiction side i am watching elliot page has written a memoir about their journey called page boy a memoir they transitioned a few years ago and um they are writing about their journey and the positive place they found themselves in. And um, I haven't read this yet. It is a book that should be arriving at the library any any day now. It's been on order for a few minutes, uh, but that one's that one's right up there at number two, and it's getting some it's getting some critical acclaim. And I believe that'll be a very interesting um, story, uh, a very interesting memoir to read. I also wanted to mention. Oh, did anyone have anything to say about that? Oh, this I know you're interested in reading that one. Have you read it yet? Certainly, I'm on the wait list for when that book arrives at the library. <laughs> okay, I think you're number one, actually. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to read that book. Um, and for lots of reasons, I've followed um, Elliot Page's career for very, I mean, since Juno, um, which was years and years ago at this point, and um to see it's it's exciting and such a gift i feel like that elliot is offering to have this entire journey that they've gone through be so public because that must be awful sometimes huh. no it, it it's a confusing and exciting and scary experience to just be alive and transitioning and and figuring out what that means for you let alone to do it in such a public way and so i'm and I'm, I'm really excited about reading the memoir cool yes also on the indie bestseller nonfiction side i'm excited for a book 
called Blueberries for Sal, the Cookbook. <laughs> um, so I hope most of you will remember the Robert McCloskey children's book from, gosh, was it the 60s or 70s when this came out? Blueberries for Sal, it's the most charming little story um, by the little girl, I think, in Maine, blueberries on a mountain, and the plink, plink, plink of the berries hitting the bottom of the peel. She's eating more than she's saving. She goes up over a little rise of a hill and meets a big bear and what happens next. So Robert McCloskey, also beloved for Make Way for Ducklings. Some of you might remember that cool book. So he's put together a cookbook that's all blueberry recipes. And um, of course, there's artwork from that book, the children's book in it. And um, I bought this book uh, as a gift for someone recently, and she's already making uh, recipes from it and says the blueberry pancake recipe um, is uh, destined to be a, a, become a fave at her house. So blueberries for sale, the cookbook. I'm excited about that one. And um, the library copy should be in any minute as well. On the fiction side, we're excited about The Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese. I believe I have been mispronouncing this author's name my entire, uh, for years. Um, he wrote Cutting for Stone, and I, I think it's just one of those names I just kind of stumbled through and pronounced how best I could figure out, and then it stuck. And I've been calling him Abraham Verghese forever and then recently i heard him being um this book being reviewed on radio west i think it was and it's abraham verghese so i apologize abraham but i've been hearing this huge book i don't know how many pages it is it's got to be close to 800 or more pages long but i've heard that it holds up beautifully and it's a great follow-up uh different story than cutting for stone but no less beautiful intricate and uh, number one on the fiction side and um yeah there's a couple of cool summer thrillers uh riley sager is a is a suspense writer who's kind of come into um some popularity in the last few years his brand new one is called the only one left that is on the bestseller he also did what's the one about the lake across the lake anyhow he's yeah. got a couple a couple of others um and I keep hearing that he's pretty good. So he's someone I'll be checking out. Riley Sager. I'm actually reading um, one right now that's uh, Ruth Ware's new book called Zero Days. She has long been one of my favorite um, suspense, sort of mystery suspense writers. And uh, this one's pretty fun to you. Have either of you read anything by Ruth Ware? No, I haven't actually. I, she's kind of... Uh, wore myself out on mystery and suspense growing up reading only Mary Higgins Clark for <laughs> and I, I I just stopped and then kind of branched out and never went back but I it might be time to explore a new mystery and suspense author these are great for summertime just just plunk down in the hammock or on your in your lawn chair and immerse yourself there her books are pretty quick reads they're um they're smarter than a lot of, I think, than a lot of suspense writers. She's got always got really, they're always fe female, central characters, always a, a smart young female. Um, and um, she is, I think she's with Agatha Christie. They're not straight up, mis they're, 
there, there's just been slash mysteries, I guess. And um, I think she's heavily in, influenced by Agatha Christie. And then, and one of my favorites by her was called The Turn of the Key. And that was actually loosely based on Henry James's The Turn of the Screw, which was a suspenseful ghost story. Setting is a really is a really big deal. Some of the houses or environments where these stories take place are almost characters in themselves. And Zero Days is a little bit of a departure for her. This is a lot more action than some of her previous books and a little bit less about setting. Um, Zero Days focuses on um, a, a woman. She and her husband are a, a team. They do what's called pen testing, which stands for security penetration testing. They're a team that goes to um, big corporations and companies and test their security by trying to break in and then they can tell the company where their um, where their weak spots are so she does the physical how secure is the building testing can I get in if I was a thief or criminal could I get into the building um, and her husband is uh, tests the cyber security so right away, um, she comes home from one such excursion to find that her husband has been brutally murdered. And why? She is immediately the top suspect, and rather than turn herself into the police and hope for the best, she goes on the lam to figure out who killed her husband and why to clear her own name. Uh, immediately, uh, I, I saw parallels to the, the TV show and movie The Fugitive. It's basically a very similar setup. There is, uh, there's a lot of action. She is jumping off of trains and dashing through stations and um, and uh, kind of in cyber world trying to, uh, trying to figure this out. So Zero Days, the title, refers to um, when an app or computer program has an unknown flaw. For some reason, it's called Zero Days because the developers have had zero days to fix it because there's no patch yet. And so people, um, hackers can actually uh, exploit these. So you can imagine like if someone found a flaw in iPhone apps or something that could be worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to the wrong people. And it's also worth a lot to the company themselves. But on the dark web, this information can be sold and exploited. So that plays in, obviously, into Zero Days. Ruth Ware is smart and fun. She's a British writer. Um, her women are always strong and intelligent. This book, I don't think, is going to be one of my favorite by her, but it's definitely, definitely just fine. It's, uh, it's, it's a good one. The Witcher knows how to seek out flaws and apps so we can have hundreds of thousands of dollars between the three of us to split <laughs> oh good idea i'll get, get right on that that's our next that's our that's our next uh rbc <laughs> we'll do that right after recording this okay. yeah <laughs> all right well i just segued um from the indie bestseller list straight into a book review um Alyssa, tell us uh tell us something that you've been reading um, well, I have this summer really committed to just reading books that have been recommended to me and not really branching too far off from that because it's a lot of books over very many years that people have been recommending. And um, one of the books that I finished this month was Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. And I, this book was recommended to me, but I was given zero backstory. And 
I, because I was committed to just reading books recommended, I didn't even read the synopsis. Obviously, the cover made me certain that I would like it. <laughs> so I didn't need the backstory. Um, and the this cover, particularly the British cover, um, because Julia Armfield is uh, is British, the the cover is it's like a woman's face, but it is like it has watermarks to the point where the face looks like it's melting and the title is kind of overlaid over that and the words are kind of like dripping down the cover of the page so it's just like is it beautiful is it creepy you you don't really know and so then I started reading the book and the book itself is for me anyway it was the exact same like is this beautiful is it creepy (laughs) am I scared Do I love the way that this relationship is between these, these two wives are, is playing out with each other. They're both the good times and the real struggles that they experience or, and the actual struggle, this deep sea dive that one of the wives goes on in a submarine and gets lost for six months. Um, that is that's scary but it's also it creates this really interesting dynamic between the two and I I really don't want to give more away than that because I had such a good experience not knowing anything about it and then reading the story sounds good um that was our wives under the sea by Julia Armfield I think Sherry read that one too yeah I have that on my my list I was if whoever was going to go first I was going to say this is going to be a dual recommendation between Alyssa and I I just read it as well I feel like I've been a little bit at the bottom of the ocean of course in the in this overarching overculture psyche we're kind of with the titan and all of that but this is I love how you described it. You want you don't want to give too much away, but there she she has this this writer has this way of in maybe five words enacting these kind of horrific images. Yes. But they're <laughs> they're deeply poetic and full of memory and full of this kind of airy transcendence and so you're hit with this imagery not very much just every so often these just intense images and one thing I will compare this book to is Vandermeer's is it Vandermeer no not Vandermeer uh let's see who wrote Annihilation that's Vandermeer yeah Vandermeer it's it's very comparable to an Annihilation in the sense that you're not given You're never given all the information. There's so much you surmise. And also what's beautiful is it's a love story and you get both their voices. So it's toggling between the one wife at the bottom of the ocean in a submarine going through this very odd experience and then her wife up top waiting for her Mm-hmm. And then she, I don't think I'm giving a way to say that she does come back, but there is a transformation. And so you're, you're dealing with loss and grief as well. So it's, it's beautiful. 
what genre is this book? That's a good question. <laughs> I would say that uh, it's. I would yeah. probably because I don't. I think because, like, there is. I don't know. I feel like maybe a few weeks ago, <laughs> I probably would have said science fiction, but given recent events, I'd probably just say fiction. Just, yeah. you know, just almost realistic fiction at this point. I mean, there is an air of unreality, but the, the way that it's used is so much more a commentary on what happens in long-term relationships yeah. rather than the the unreality itself and so i don't know i think i would probably just put it in fiction yes all right i think that's where we're interesting our wives under the sea well folks you are tuned in to radio book club on kzmu 106.7 and 90.1 fm also available streaming on the web at kzmu.org um Cool. Well, Sherry, why don't you know, tell us uh, tell us something else that you're, you're reading these days? Yeah, I'm actually intrigued by a book that I haven't read yet. And I heard a an interview. I think actually it was Radio West. And it's called The Art Thief by Michael Finkel. And it's a true story of love, crime, and a dangerous obsession about, from 1994 to 2001, Stefan Breitweiser stole art at an unprecedented pace, three out of four weekends per year for eight years. He plied his craft during business hours in museums, galleries, auction houses with tourists and docents and security guards. He used basically just a Swiss army knife and his reasons were never to sell it and in any kind of art black market. His reasons supposedly were just for the love of beauty. And at the same time, this incredibly dark underbelly of obsession, kind of kleptomania in the, in the, strongest use of the, that term and he just had it all in his apartment for, <laughs> for him to look upon mm -hmm. look upon its beauty and what's I think what's interesting is the author's empathy for his reasoning he he hated all other not the author but the uh the art thief hated all other art thieves because they just weren't highbrow enough. They didn't have the highest reasoning be for the love of beauty is why you still art. And then also the author goes into a really kind of a great history of, of the museum and why we still go to museums and why we still want to stand in front of a of a piece of work and and did the original you know, artists from you know years and years ago did they envision what would happen with us standing in front of the mona lisa and trying to actually get purchased to look at it you know 
And <laughs> uh, so it's a nice expose on art, but also obsession as well. I mean, whether it be a piece of beauty or whatever you're, you're going to get obsessed by, eventually this art thief unravels and it obviously catches up with him. But it took I, a lot of time though. I know it took a <laughs> long time. He handled it well for quite a few In years. In broad daylight. <laughs> wow. Hundreds and hundreds of paintings he must have had. Three yeah. out of four weekends for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he wow. had, he stole $2 billion worth of art. So, wow. <laughs> and you know, it just, he did it kind of in broad daylight to a certain extent. And um, yeah, it's outrageous really. But that's incredible. Uh, but interesting wow, too. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that book is making a bit of a splash. I have um, I've seen reviews for that one, and yeah. I, think, uh, I think you'll be hearing more about that. And it should be, gosh, it should be at the library soon if it's not already. And I'm sure the bookstore mm -hmm. has it as well. The Art Thief by Michael Finkel. Those are always such interesting stories. I can't remember the author, but there's a great one about a book thief. Called the book thief that I yes. read um, about a a guy who stole priceless manuscripts and it was simply he wasn't selling them on the black market again he did it simply for his love of books and got away with it for quite some time leave a little bit of hubris eventually caught up with that fellow and another book I read uh, years ago that I think the title was the feather thief but it was about the world of collecting rare feathers yes. uh, most mostly for tie flying it's a very uh it, at the top of that game it gets very very elite and um those those feathers can go for hundreds and thousands of dollars and and um anyway this person would steal from uh natural history museums and collections um and would steal feathers i think it turned out it was a kid in an Asian country, a teenager, I can't, I'm forgetting some of the story, but I love these stories about people's obsessions um, and and just elaborate, elaborate heists just for the love of um, the loves uh, of the of art or literature or feathers in some cases. Anyway, cool. All right. Um, Julie, I think I, or, I mean, Siri, I think I skipped you earlier so um what else are you reading so you've um you talked a little bit about our wives under the sea a part thief and let's let's have another one from you well i really lately have been and i think i mentioned this last time just excited about the conversations that happen spontaneously and i'm sure this happens in the library all the time just because you are a group of readers all in one place. What do you think the you would call a group of readers? You know, like a, that would be fun to, to figure out. A collective like, noun. Yeah, yeah, collective noun, uh, something of readers, anyway. And so it's just natural to the, the process of book selling or, or being at the library where you're you're talking about what you love and last week it just happened that 
Ann Carson kind of came up and I've talked about Ann Carson in the past and so I decided to go unearth some books out of my storage because I, I don't have a lot of my books with me right now they're all in, in storage and I was able to sort of like being under this at the bottom of the ocean I was sort of at the bottom of my book barrels um, <laughs> yesterday and it's so fun to books are like best friends right from the past so oh, yes. you're just <laughs> right Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going through, you're digging down. And what I realized is that I had this first edition signed copy of Autobiography of Red by Ann Carson. And so I just want to kind of unearth that. The, the, there's been a lot of conversation. I ended up ordering a bunch more of Ann Carson to have in the store. And it's just so beautiful to kind of look at this and, and see that on the on the... Uh, first page it says you know autobiography of red a novel in verse and carson and it says in in her pen respectfully um a c so i thought that oh, yeah it's um i wish i could show our listeners but the book so this is basically you know this kind of uh it's a novel in verse and she she has this way of bridging the gap between the cl classics, like classic um, classicism, classicism, classics, classicism, um, um, and modern poetry. Basically, she she is kind of taking us back to the Greco-Roman world, and then so, sort of pulling it forward into these modern themes. And she's kind of she's deceptive in the sense that she has these really deep narratives and you kind of have to again sort of this water idea you need to plunge in to kind of find her threads but she wrote this one and then i didn't actually know that there's a companion to autobiography of red um which is basically the journey of a winged red monster named garyon and then the the other book that I want to mention is the companion piece to Autobiography of Red called Red Dock, um, which is basically um, after she wrote Autobiography of Red about this boy named Geryon, who was red and had wings and fell in love with Heracles, then she began to wonder what happened to them in later li life. So Red Dock continues their adventures um, in a more um, traditionally kind of poetic style. And she, she says on the back here, to live past the end of your myth is a perilous thing. And so <clears throat> this is a companion, uh, Ann Carson, Autobiography of Red and Red Dock. They are companions and they, they came unearthed out of my collection. And so I thought I needed to mention them today. <laughs> Definitely, I love it. And, and at the bottom of your bottom of your book ocean, ocean. exactly. Um, well, I'm excited to talk about an author I just discovered. Uh, most people, probably, or many of you, have been um, following Samantha Irby for ten years. I think it is um, her her most recent book um, has just come out, and I'm still waiting to read that one. Uh, but I went back and picked up her first book. 
which is called um, Meaty by Samantha Irby. Um, her books always have really cutesy covers, which is kind of hilarious because she is not a cutesy person, quite the opposite. Um, it has a, uh, on the front of Meaty, there's a cute little hedgehog on the front. Another book of hers has a little fluffy bunny rabbit and there's a cranky little kitten on another one. Um, and the most, <laughs> the most recent book is called, uh, Quietly Hostile and there's a picture of a skunk that looks like he's yelling at somebody anyway. Um, I think the book covers are pretty hilarious because Samantha Irby herself is, um, extremely uh she's ex extremely hilarious vulgar and gritty um she is uh she's not for the faint of heart if you are easily grossed out or offended you might want to skip samantha Irby. but i find her to be wonderful and so relatable so she um she started out writing essays for a blog called Bitches Gotta Eat, I believe, and some of those got uh, eventually were collected into these um, essay collections. And they're mostly just about her life as a as a black woman growing up, uh, a girl growing up in Chicago. Her childhood was um, very difficult. Um, her mother became very ill with, um, oh, crikey, I can't remember. Anyway, and, and needed a lot of care and then died when, when Samantha Irby was pretty young father was basically uh not in her life and also died when she was very young in a in a sad way uh samantha also uh suffers from crohn's disease which affects her daily life and she tells you explicitly um what is what <laughs> what that does to a person physically but her stories or her her writing are just they're just so funny and relatable and just make you feel okay to be uh, being a human is so messy in so many ways and um you just you just put the book down feeling um feeling better about just being being a messy human she's um very very feminist writer and um and very very funny she she can write about things that are you know it's sad and painful like like her, her mother's you know her mother's long long illness and death are very very sad and painful um, but at the same time, finding finding the humor in the situation and um, and, and the kind of person that's here today, I also appreciate writing about um, about race. So one of the chapters in her first book, Mimi, deals with black people um, uh, calling out other people, black people, for not being black enough. Um, but that um, Uncle Tom's and um, she, she says that she herself. She herself is basically a white girl in a black girl's body in some ways. Um, she loves, and her favorite albums are like um, Matthew's Band and Faith No More and wears long skirts and Birkenstocks. And um, anyway, she's, um, she's, she's pretty hilarious. She says, I'm pretty much an expert in white people. She writes, I don't really understand lacrosse, but I do pay for a subscription to the New Yorker. <laughs> that's good that's a good comment Irby sniffs out and confronts the racial tics that both races engage in e.g. black people who are uncomfortable in their own skin try to control and demean other black people by challenging their blackness or whites burdened by guilt engaging in ra racial profiling to take over it 
taking her at face value. I love that you have no idea that I don't know what the heck I am talking about, and I'm censoring uh, her a little bit. She's um, very, very vulgar language, which I happen to <laughs> like. <laughs> and she says, I'm not, <laughs> I love that you have no idea that I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, that I'm not, Cor I'm not Cornell West. <laughs> anyway, um, Irby refuses to adhere to any boundaries in her selection of topics or language. Um, she's discussing awkward dating problems and um, and uh, dieting. And uh, anyway, she's, uh, she's really, really funny. She has written for some TV shows. I believe she's written on the last two uh, seasons of Sex and the City. She's written for... The, um, Lindy West's TV show Shrill, and um, as well as her different collections of essays. Highly recommend Samantha Irby if you um, have a uh, if you have a strong tolerance for vulgarity, uh, scatological references, and um, just straight up gritty hilarity. Samantha Irby, I can I can definitely recommend her most recent book. Again, is called Quietly Hostile. And I am really looking forward to reading that one as well. And that one's been on the indie bestseller list for a few weeks as well. That sure has. Yeah. We have time for a couple more. Alyssa, what is next on your list? Um, one of the books that I am almost finished with that, again, was recommended to me by a friend very many years ago, and I'm just now getting to it, mm -hmm. is uh, Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. And I mentioned, I know I mentioned this last month, and it has taken me longer than I expected to read it. And I'm realizing it's because I both equally love, love the writing style, which I think is what my friend thought I would enjoy. Um, just the playing with words and with language that Tom Robbins does in this book is just so entertaining to me. Um, it makes you have to read a few sentences a few times over because it's never, it's not always exactly what it seems like it means. It also means something else. And I'm really enjoying that. But the other part that I am not enjoying is I believe this book came out in uh, like 1984, something like that. And I, from my search of Wikipedia, I do know <laughs> that Don Robbins has been kind of considered a a pretty progressive guy and I can see it in this book and also the progressivism of a white man in the 80s is still pretty misogynistic <laughs> yeah I could see that 100 percent you know I, uh, yeah I actually agree, agree yeah with what I, uh, yeah I uh, think that's a really astute thing to say the life with woodpecker recommended and recommended so many times I finally read it and it was probably about 1989 and I was actually kind of appalled by, yeah. by some of it. I yeah. thought he was a little bit presumptuous in that one, although I do enjoy him overall. Anyway. Right. And I just have found it like it has made the book take longer for me to get through. And I like I'm not I'm realizing I'm not super compelled by the story. It is his sentence structure yeah. that keeps me continuing to read it. His metaphors. Um, his metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his metaphors, I think it's, I mean, brilliantly constructed that I'm not contesting that at all. Yeah. But deeply misogynistic and 
every female character is so overtly and overly sexualized. It's astonishing. Mm. But then again, I keep thinking, I guess, I don't know, the progressivism of the 70s and 80s was not nearly as progressive as anyone, I don't know, presented themselves to be, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and we've, I mean... While we have so such a long way to go, I it mm. is interesting to see the progress that's been made just in our adulthood or in our lifetimes. It was considered very progressive. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, I, I this is a great, a really, really interesting conversation because that was always my hit on on Tom Robbins. We've read them in years, but um, uh. And, and friends of mine never could understand that. I also probably didn't articulate myself quite as well as you just did, but um, he's definitely yeah. a lot of fun. I also always thought he yeah. was kind of a wannabe Kurt Vonnegut, who, who I truly adore and respect. So and it's made me think of, and I know we've I've brought this up so much in the past few months, but it just made me think of the book Monsters mm-hmm. by Claire Jedder. And at what point, like, where do you hold quote-unquote genius responsible and like where is that line and it's just all I've been thinking about reading this book and remembering to keep them in in the context of their their time yes Mm -hmm. because that's also drastically different 84 with all due respect to everyone listening was before I was born so (laughs) yeah I can also say that those books were pivotal for certain reasons for me but I don't, I think they don't hold up now. It's just really yeah. interesting when you, you know, where they, like even Cowgirls Get the Blues, I think it'd be interesting to see what you thought of that one as well. It's a little bit, I, you know. I am convinced yeah. to reading it. Yeah. Because it, but those are the two that have been recommended yeah. to me over and over and over again. Yeah. So I'm going, but I am really curious, like, honestly, how long is it going to take me to get through it? Yeah. Because Jitterbug taking me over a month and it is not a long book i just keep picking up other things yeah that makes sense i think we have time for a couple a speed round or two um well good book perfume by tom robbins he's definitely an entertaining writer and i appreciate um writers that deal right it's it's about subculture yeah Mm -hmm. for me i would like to highly recommend an older book by louise oldrick one of my very favorite authors birch bark house um it's the first in a series or a trilogy i think i I just finished birch bark house and it is a a gorgeous lovely little story about a little ojibwe girl named uh or anishinaabe i think uh, named uh and her family they live in um early 1800s i think um up uh in an island in lake superior and um mother and father and her older sister and her little baby brother that she adores and um grandmother and it's just it's just um a slice of life she's growing up and learning to listen to uh, animals and plants her grandmother is encouraging her she may uh, have the potential to become uh, a, a healer and a spiritual leader and um, she's learning learning to find her way anyway quick quick one there birch bark house by louise Erder. great for grown-ups uh, and great for kids I'm really really glad that i read that one 
Sure, you got any quick ones to throw out? Um, I just wanted to, I built a list of collective nouns for readers, and I'm just gonna read that off real quick, spontaneously. A ream, a recollection, a risk, a raft, a roar, a remuneration, a, a reconnaissance, a relevance, or a wrangle of readers. Um, so those are, that's wow. my uh, spontaneous list of collective nouns. Uh, my favorite is a roar. A roar, a roar of readers. I yes. definitely am down with the alliteration. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think uh, I like a wrangle. I know. I was thinking the wrangle of re readers is kind of nice. And then I just, because I went to the bottom of my book, Ocean, I, I, I got my copy of Raven's Exile by Ellen Malloy. And so I'm just rereading that, A Season on the Green River. And um, because, you know, we're just all looking at the, the height of the river, uh, her first paragraph is this just, how can we not love uh, her gorgeous prose with that kind of little wily coyote? The morning sun slips off the canyon rim with the coyotes and bathes our camp in pale lemon light. I sense the river's volume beside us rather than hear its flow. And so because uh, it's all things water for me today, uh, just wanted to do a quick nod to Ellen Malloy, Raven's Exile, the season on the Green River. Nice. All right, folks, I think that wraps us up for Radio Book Club for July. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find um, archived shows of past Radio Book Clubs. You can find that on kcfu.org. You can also find that on the library's website. Um, if you go to the Happenings tab, click on Book Clubs, then scroll down to Radio Book Club, and you'll also find a link to lists of books that we've mentioned in this episode and past episodes. So if you heard a book you are interested in and you didn't get to write down, um, go to moblibrary.org, Happenings tab, click on Book Clubs, and you'll find uh, a link to Radio Book Club and uh, archive shows as well as book mentions. And thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sherry and Alyssa, so much for joining us. And wish you guys all a happy City Independence Day. We will see you on the first Monday of the month in August. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Happy reading. <laughs>